Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. And tonight, our Cleveland Cavaliers did battle with the Portland Trailblazers for the second time this season and walked out of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse with a very, very frustrating loss, falling to Portland by the score of 103-95 to and splitting the season series in the process. Again, this, this was a very fucking frustrating game. I'm going to cover it all, but it was definitely frustrating. Now, in the first matchup with them, a 109-95 win, which occurred just 15 days ago, so a little over two weeks ago, they absolutely clamped the Blazers, holding them below 100. They also limited Portland to 37.4%, including 34.2% from three-point distance. Completely different tonight. It was just their second time holding an opponent below 100 points and their third time limiting an opponent to below 38% from the field in that prior matchup. They executed on the defensive end when it mattered. They made sure to defend the perimeter more often than not and making it a point to defend the rim. The gameplay seemed very, very much the same in this one for the most part up until that second half. After all, why fix something that isn't necessarily broken at least that was my mindset heading in right the difference this time though is that the Cavs weren't without the likes of Darius Garland and Isaac Okoro both of which up until tonight right had been playing some pretty damn solid basketball lately especially in the case of DG who's been on a tear since returning from his most recent absence in fact since missing the a game just a few weeks ago against the Blazers, DG had averaged 21.3 points and 5.6 assists while completing over 50.9% of his field goals, including 41.4% of his triples. He was knocking down shots. He was being impactful. And then I don't know what the hell happened in the second half of tonight's game. Prior to tonight, he'd managed to come out uh, to, to, to come out <laughs> to cut out rather some of these turnovers. But guess what? They reared their ugly head again tonight with Darius finishing almost with a dreaded double-double of multiple, well, double-digit turnovers and uh, double-digit points. He almost finished with that. It was very, very ugly basketball to watch from him. Just way, way too careless. Uh, DG tonight, 15-4-7 on 6 of 18. Just absolutely atrocious shooting and two of eight from distance. He did not have it going on. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. But I say all of this to say that there was no reason why Cleveland shouldn't have walked out with a victory in this matchup, especially as they have started to return to some semblance of full strength. You just got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. But with that being the case, I do realize, you know, I'm not an idiot. I do realize that just like any other sport, uh, you never want to take your opponent too lightly. The Blazers are, in fact, as the Cavaliers found out, they're professionals too. The Cavs fucked around and found out, didn't they? The Cavs did not appear to take them lightly from the jump, though, and that's what the frustrating part is. But things quickly spiraled out of control. Now, in the first half, the Cavs seemed to make an effort especially in the first quarter. They they appeared to make an effort to attack the Blazers inside the painted area, scoring their first 16 points in the lane. Their first 16. It was a layup. It was a cut to the basket. It was a, you know just shots along those lines. It was a lob, whatever, what have you. But the Cavs made sure to attack the Blazers in that first quarter. And it wasn't until Donovan Mitchell took and made a long two that Cleveland scored anything outside of that paint. They attacked and attacked and attacked, and it was working for the most part until they decided to go against it. 
to the point, honestly, they scored 50 total points in the paint tonight. That's pretty big. That's a pretty big deal. But it could have been a hell of a lot more, especially on a night where their three-point shot, their perimeter shot, is not with it. They just did not have it. Oh, man. Just absolutely brutal. The Blazers give up the most fast break points in the league. I felt like the Cavs were taking advantage of that for the most part, but just they just took their foot off the pedal. They started to go against what was working. And, you know, to that point, Cleveland scored 19 points off the fast break opportunities to Portland 17. So, I mean, it just doesn't get any more of a win for you right in your hands and you just take your foot off the pedal. You disrespect your opponent. And that's exactly what got Cleveland beat tonight. Uh, there were a couple of different things that attributed to the loss tonight, but by far, in my opinion, it was a lack of focus. Just a complete and utter lack of focus. After watching that first half of basketball, I was thinking to myself, you know, they closed out the second quarter not quite as, you know, not quite as exceptional as they started off the game, but it still felt like a victory. It still felt like a victory was was in hand. And then the third quarter, you know, they 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 came out very hot. Uh, you know, and to that point, they needed to clamp down big time in that second half as Portland actually shot better than Cleveland in the first half. And they did initially, forcing a few Portland turnovers, which led to some fast break opportunities for Cleveland, you know, uh, which culminated in an 8-0 run to begin the second half. But then that familiar old problem started to surface as Cleveland started to uh, struggle to defend the three-point line as Portland, led by Shaden Sharp, drilled three after three after three and eventually erased the Cavs' lead. They drilled six triples in the third quarter alone, and it wouldn't stop. That's the problem. That combined with the Cavs' own inability to knock down shots was part of their uh, undoing. It it just it's just such a disheartening loss, man. It felt like the Cavs just absolutely handed that ball game over to Portland. They had the victory. It was well within hand. The turnovers that was probably that probably was the game. They 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 finished with fewer turnovers than Portland tonight, but the turnovers led to a ton of points. They lost the rebounding battle as well, something I thought that was not going to occur. And then last but not least, you know, I see people saying fire JB left and right. Guys, tonight is a fucked up game. It, it is something that I'm I'm not going to sit here and try and sugarcoat anything. Tonight, I honestly felt like JB was in over his head in that second half. The lack of focus for the players was not there. But JB, man, how are you playing in eight-man rotation? Where are the Craig Porter Jr. minutes? Where are the Tristan Thompson minutes? Throw somebody else out there. Get a look. Because clearly Cleveland couldn't shoot for shit tonight. Just could not knock down a shot to save their lives. <sighs> Man, I, I, it's just so frustrating. All in all, just from a statistical standpoint in regards to shooting, they shot a combined 21.9% from three-point distance. Seven of 32. Seven of 32 tonight. Nobody had it going on. Darius Garland, two of eight. Max Struess, one of six. Donovan Mitchell, one of fucking nine. Come on, Donnie. What are you doing? And you guys know me. Like, I'm usually I'm usually pretty upbeat about most things about this team. But tonight is just an unacceptable effort in that second half. Unacceptable. Just a very frustrating loss. And I tell you, one of my by far. 
one of my biggest complaints tonight is probably the shot selection for some of these players led by Donovan Mitchell, who are just continuously jacked up shots out there. I get it's one thing when your shot is not falling and you're trying to get it going and you're just taking some attempts that you feel like, hey, I, I, I should be able to eventually start to get this going. But it's another thing just to hoist shots up. I really honestly felt like like Donnie did that tonight. I felt like Donovan Mitchell just hoisted up a lot of shots, especially in that fourth quarter. You cannot have that. The ball movement, the game started off very, very well from a ball movement standpoint. There was an energy and electricity in the basketball in that first quarter especially, but they decided to start going against that. Evan Mobley, who had been phenomenal in that first half, was completely phased out of the offense come the latter portion of the game. I really felt like they should have given him more touches. He was doing a little bit of everything tonight. I mean, I just... I look at what he's been able to do to start this season. And granted, you know, from a statistical standpoint, especially scoring, you you can look at Evan Mobley's numbers and think, hey, he hasn't progressed at all. He has not made any sort of development. And, you know, I disagree with that wholeheartedly because I don't feel like the scoring numbers tell the whole story. And much like J.B. Bickerstaff said the other day after the uh, victory over Atlanta, uh, you said something that I really kind of gelled with, and that's the fact that that Evan Mobley is just a super impactful player on both ends of the floor, and that the stats just don't kind of show that, right? Um, I, I really honestly felt like he was doing a little bit of everything tonight, and the Cavs just went away from it. And for me, it's like people seem to think that if Evan is not putting up 25 and 10 and knocking down two or three chibbles per game, that he hasn't shown any growth when we are literally seeing that growth take place before our very eyes. The off-ball movement and work as a cutter, the mid-range jumpers, which we are starting to see more of, his facilitation, especially his two-man game off of DHOs with Max Struess and you know lobbing the basketball, these big-to-big passes that we have started to see more and more of for really the first time since the 2021-22 season. Um, his vision and ability to find his teammates for cutting layups is honestly pretty dope. Um, he can see over everybody, you know, due to his seven-foot frame. And again, we saw him do a little bit of all of that tonight. And that's without even mentioning his high level of defense uh, that he provides as a rim protector and while switching out onto the perimeter where he's currently prior to tonight was limiting guards to a lowly 37.7% from the field. There were just, there were, there was, uh, it's just a, a noticeable decline in focus and effort in that second half. Just very, very frustrating. And I, you know, typically I, I look at these comments here. I, I, Try and converse with you all. I'm sorry I haven't done that quite yet, but I'm going to go through here. Um, K-Dude says, listen, JB needs to go or they need to just trade Mitchell because if JB doesn't go, this is an unserious organization not wanting to have playoff success. So I'm going to try to do my best to stay away from a lot of this JB talk tonight because I'm just going to try and stay rational here. I wouldn't call JB Bickerstaff the coach of the year after brilliant wins over the Denver Nuggets and Philadelphia 76ers. And I'm not going to fire him after a, albeit frustrating loss. I'm not going to fire him for now. We're stuck with JB. Um, again, 
I remain true to what I said a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. I'm okay waiting to the midseason point. Tonight was definitely an unacceptable loss, though, especially coming off of being ousted out of the in-season tournament, right? And not being able to advance there. The effort just kind of seemed lackadaisical at certain points tonight. Some of that is on JB, certainly. But JB, let's just be frank here. JB can't make player shots for them. He can't do that. He can't make them defend the three-point line. He can preach it all the live long day, but ultimately the guy's got to go out there and show effort, which they did not have. There was no, there was a lack of focus, and it was definitely there. And you have to be able to, you know, you do have to be able to inspire your guys out there after being removed from uh you know from being able to compete in that in-season tournament. But not all of this loss falls on JB. Yes, he deserves his fair share of blame. I'm not going to deny any of that tonight. Y'all y'all let him have it. Let the takes fly. I get it. But at the end of the day, a lot of this is on the players too. Donovan Mitchell can't shoot one of nine. Darius Garland can't turn the ball over uh, eight times. There, he also can't shoot two of eight. Max Struess can't shoot one of six. The one complaint, well, I'm going to say the one, the biggest complaint that I have with JB tonight is the fact that he went with an eight-man rotation especially after playing the starters heavy minutes against Atlanta, you know, in an effort to kind of run up the score so that they could advance in the end season tournament tonight felt like a perfect opportunity to get more Craig Porter jr. Minutes. It felt like an opportunity to maybe throw Tristan Thompson out there for a bit. Uh, you know, do what you got to do, especially after guys are just not shooting very well. X factor says the hustle and effort on the defensive end is just not there this year as it was last year. That either means they aren't focused on it or the team isn't willing to listen to JB. I don't know, man. Like, like I said before to open the episode, the Cavs have only uh, held opponent to below 100 points two times this season, two out of their, um, two out of their, what's this? 18 game number 18. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to go a little mad over here, but they've only allowed an opponent, a held opponent rather, below 100 points just twice this season, and they've only limited an opponent below 38% from the field three times, tonight included. Um, I don't know. I feel like the defensive effort probably – you would probably see some of these things cleaned up a little bit at the Cavs start the season off a bit more healthy. I feel like the overall defense would probably be at a better point than it is now, but you're still obviously sacrificing a bit, um, especially in that starting unit. Max Struess has been better than expected as a defender, but still not quite Isaac Okoro on that end. But he's still providing so much else in other areas that you're okay with that. Um, John Turner says, these guys are gassed by the fourth quarter because JB plays his starters 38 minutes a night. And tonight... When you look at the starters' minutes, Jared Allen led all starters with 38 minutes. Darius Garland followed with 37, Max Struess 36, and so on and so forth. Again, JB deployed just an eight-man rotation tonight. To me, I just do not feel like that was the general direction that it should have went in, keep these guys a little bit more fresh, especially in a night where most of them just aren't shooting the basketball well at all. X-Factor 2005 says Cavs had one guy with a positive plus minus, and that was Evan Mobley, who had a plus one. No other player had a positive plus minus. And for me, X-Factor, you guys probably have heard me say this on X or Twitter quite often. Uh, Plus minus can be a rather misleading stat. It can be used in pushing narratives a lot of the time. But tonight is kind of one of those things where, you know, you got to take it. And just accept the fact that most of these guys out there tonight just were not 
playing very well. Evan Mobley probably was the exception to that because I honestly felt they should have given him more touches. Mobley finished the night with 20 points, eight boards, three assists. Still efficient as hell, as you know, just as he's been for most of this season. Nine of 14 from the field, two of two from the line. And um, yeah, I felt like they went away from what was working with both him and Jared Allen in that first quarter. Jared also finished with the double double. Uh, I thought some of the work inside with them and, and using them in inside the painted area. I just feel like they went away from that way too early, especially on a night where your three-point shot is just not falling. <sighs> Man. Moohead Radio. The players have tuned JB out. He was outcoached by Billups. Our bench does us no good. Limiting Allen's minutes. I have no idea what the plan is. Is it too late to salvage Mitchell? He'll be traded. Uh, I feel like some of this is an overreaction, right? Again, you you wouldn't praise – you wouldn't give JB Bickerstaff an extension after coaching the Cavs to victories over Denver or Philly. Um, you know, why would you, why would you fire him right after a game like this? Yes. He got out coached tonight. Pitiful performance in the second half. But again, a lot of this is on the players in regards to salvaging Mitchell. Ah, uh, no, he's the, he doesn't have a player option until 2025, 26, they're not going to trade him this year unless they're absolutely blown away by some type of offer. So, guys, just stop it with the Mitchell stuff. He's not being moved this year. Uh, Dr. Claw 77 says, feel like a coral needed more minutes to help dilute the sharp BS. Bro, I was tweeting about that live game, uh, you know, when it was happening because at one point, Shaden, and I'm pretty sure this probably changed, but at one point, Shaden had like, he was 10 of 24 with, I think, 25 points. Uh, he finished the night 11 of 15 for 29, but yes, they needed to cool him off and they didn't, they just weren't able to. And I feel like if they had Okora out there who only played 17 minutes tonight, that probably changes a bit. But the problem is, you know, once you start to get yourself into this hole and you kind of need that perimeter shooting that a player like Max Struess provides, because that honestly is probably the only guy that you're willing to sub out, um, at that point, because you're probably not going to take Donovan Andreas off the floor. Um, Okoro just isn't quite capable of providing that level of offensive production yet. So I just don't know where those minutes would have come from, especially down the stretch. Um, John Turner says so many turnovers indeed. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland, they, they actually turned the ball over less than Portland tonight, but Portland made the most of those opportunities. Uh, Go Who Day says, why the hell was Mobley shut out on offense in the fourth quarter? One shot the entire time. JB got to go. Obviously, yes, you know how I feel about the JB stuff, but I, I completely agree with you in regards to your Mobley point. More touches. More touches. Get the guy more touches after you are clearly seeing that he is he's a mismatch for Portland. I just don't get it. Pranav Sivaram says, when it became apparent that Garland didn't have it, where was CPJ? I don't know. I don't know. I wanted Craig Porter Jr. out there. I'm just like you guys in that regard. I don't know shit, though. I don't know why he isn't out there. Um, a lot of it may have to do with the fact that they're trying to save his NBA eligibility. He's already appeared in a handful of games, and he can only appear in up to 50 before they have to make a decision on converting him or not converting him. I don't know if that plays a decision. I don't know if JB was just trying to see if he could ride his starters, uh, you know, to a victory down the stretch. I just, I don't know, man. But I do know that I wanted to have Craig Porter Jr. out there. Just, just bad, man. 
just bad way to close out tonight's I don't know. Reaper 23 says, man, I don't get all the Mitchell slander. Cavs needed a shot maker and they traded for him. A bad game doesn't mean trade him shaking my head. Yeah. I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. And I'll say this one last time, like, please people stop with the trade Mitchell stuff this season. If the Cavs are going to move him, it's not going to be any time this year. It'll likely be this off season. Uh, it's not going to happen this year. And I honestly still believe that there is, a pretty decent uh, percentage that he resigns in Cleveland. I'm not one of those folks who believe that he is, he's gone. I'm not. I feel like there's a solid chance that he signs with Cleveland uh, on the dotted line for an extension. But we just got to wait, and that includes the rest of the season. He's not going to be moved. I don't know, man. I, we got our superstar. Top 15 players are not easily acquired, especially for what we acquired him for. Just don't – I don't get the people who want to move him right now already. Uh, KDU says, I think they should trade Mitchell, not because he's bad, but because it's a waste. I don't think it's a waste, but, uh, you know, I, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Charles Whitlock II says, an eight-man rotation in November is insane. You got to trust the roster. Kobe has to acquire more playable talent on edges. Charles, I don't think it's a talent issue. The Cavs have clearly shown that they have a considerable, uh, considerable death now. They, re- they really and honestly truly do. Tristan Thompson has come in and given some wonderful spot minutes uh, whenever his presence is needed out there as a defender, uh, you know, rim protector, or as a rebounder. Craig Porter Jr., who we've already mentioned a couple of times tonight, has been wonderful addition to this team despite being an undrafted rookie. And I honestly feel like there's, there have been some opportunities where you probably could have inserted him tonight, especially after you've seen that your guys – your guards just don't have it. Uh, we've seen Sam Merrill out there even giving some productive minutes at times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at it, though, after you factor those guys in, that's literally what? You, you have your starting five. That's solidified. You have Karis Avert. That's your sixth man. Niang is still giving productive minutes for the most part. He's number eight. Okoro's number uh, – well, oh, Niang's number seven. Okoro's number eight. Craig Porter Jr., who we thought would be included into the rotation is number nine. Then Tristan Thompson slash Dean Wade is your nine and your 10th people. Right. So I feel like it's not an issue with talent. They clearly have it. JB just has to trust his guys to be able to go out there and give them something when his starters just don't have it. Uh, John Turner says Levert is in one of his slumps. Indeed. Levert is let's just check on that line over here. Levert's, Last five games, Harris LeVert over his last five games is averaging eight points, three assists, two and two boards, and shooting just 36.4% from the field, including 30% from three-point distance. Yes, you heard that right, 36.4% from the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's in a slump, all right. And he, tonight he only scored five points on two of nine from the field, including one of four from three point distance. Um, as much as you can blame JB's lack of, you know, lack of depth tonight or only going eight deep, perhaps the biggest culprit of all tonight outside of the lack of focus was the lack of shooting. Cleveland just could not shoot to save their lives. They could not stop Portland from beyond the arc. Portland finished tonight with 40% shooting from three-point distance uh, on a combined 14 of 35 from three-point range. Cleveland, again, just 22%. 
you can't have that, especially uh, on a night where your defense is unable to contain the perimeter shooting of the opponent. I don't know. Very, very frustrating indeed. I'm not hopping on the fire JB Bickerstaff train just yet, guys. Again, you know, I'm not. I throw praise his way whenever he has a big-time victory, but I don't call him the coach of the year, and I'm not going to overreact here and say fire him because he had a pretty bad loss here because I don't put all of the blame on him tonight. It had been one thing if the Cavs players played very, very well, but but JB put them in terrible positions tonight. I just don't feel like that was the case. I feel like the Cavs themselves, the players themselves, had a general lack of focus. Some of that is on JB, but I can tell you how to do something a million fucking times. It's on you to do it, right? I mean, you, you can bitch about that all the live long day, but at the end of the day, the players still have to go out there and execute. Donovan Mitchell has to shoot better than one of nine from three-point distance. Darius Garland cannot turn the ball over eight fucking times, and you expect to win. It's just not the case. I don't care who the hell you're playing. I really don't. I don't care if Portland is 6-12 and 12 and uh, you know far outs of the playoff picture right now in the West. It does not matter who your opponent is. Anytime those things are occurring, you're probably not going to win. And that's what happened tonight. That's what happened tonight. For me, I'm looking forward here at this schedule, and I'm seeing some things that, you know, tonight was obviously a game that I think most of us thought Cleveland would be able to win. Obviously, that did not happen, but heading into this uh, Saturday matchup against the the 2-6 and Detroit Pistons, you got to get the job done. You're supposed to be beating the teams that you're supposed to beat it in order for – and in order for you to one go on some type of semblance of a run and two to establish some consistency, you cannot have these games where you're you're dropping you're dropping pretty much surefire victories to an inferior opponent. You can't do that. At this point in time, I don't blame anybody for not taking the cap seriously after a, a loss like after a loss like this. And maybe I'm overreacting here a little bit, but I you know. At this time, good teams, the great ones, the the teams that are considered title contenders, they don't lose games like this. It just does not happen. The Cavs, this was a very winnable game tonight. They should have gotten the job done. All criticism is warranted. No, I don't want to fire anybody. No, I don't want to trade anybody. It's just one game. Uh, You have an opportunity on Saturday to clean the slate here and go on another run. But tonight was not good. Just wasn't good. That's all I can say. As I often tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out, tell me you know how you can. It's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you would like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and I will send you an invite. Hopefully, the Cavs don't lose to the Pistons, right? I see your comment down there, Reaper 53. Uh, man, if we lose to the Pistons, they they should really have a players-only meeting and talk that stuff out. Yeah, they'll figure it out. I, I have a feeling that they will figure it out. But that doesn't make tonight any less frustrating. Go Cavs.